Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. off with a headline this morning that is likely to lead to another headline while we are on the air. The Supreme Court of the United States uh, released an order at 2 a.m. Eastern time this morning. This is Tuesday, July the 14th, clearing the way for the resumption of uh, the use of the federal death penalty or the death penalty against those in federal uh, penitentiaries who have received a death sentence. But no death sentence has been carried out by the federal government of the United States of America in 17 years. And so um, uh, in the balance today is the life of Daniel Lewis Lee. The Supreme Court took a 5-4 vote uh, last night. It's an unsigned order, but uh, everyone knows who the five are and who the four are. Um, and I'm not suggesting here that Daniel Lewis Lee is um, not... If there is a candidate worthy of receiving this kind of justice by a government, I'm not suggesting that he isn't um, that person. Uh, one-time white supremacist killed a family of three. Uh, he was scheduled to be executed uh, yesterday. But this is an important conversation for us to have uh, in the United States of America. When we talk about justice and we talk about how long it takes for this kind of um, justice to be carried out. It's it's an important conversation for us to have. Um, people spend a very long time in death row, uh, on death row here in the United States of America. And so um, in terms of it being a deterrent or in terms of um, people making very significant um, confessions and then being people who are redeemed and who are genuinely uh, different. Um, It's important. It's also important to listen to the voices of the members of the family of the one who is to be executed. Uh, The perpetrator of of violence uh, in this case, Daniel Lee Lewis, um, actually a a woman named Erlene Peterson, who is the mother uh, of the victim in this case. It was Erlene's daughter, granddaughter and son-in-law who were tortured, killed, and dumped in a lake by uh, Daniel Lewis Lee and an accomplice, um, she opposes his execution. Um, And she doesn't want it done in the name of her family. It's a complicated, complex conversation, and we who are Christians and who are pro-life need to understand what the Bible has to say um, about the government's use of the sword, right? And we also need to understand, as people who are pro-life, what it means, what it means to stand for life, even when our gut wants to do something else. Death is definitely in the headlines. Uh, Glee actress Naya Rivera, 33 years old, um, her body was recovered yesterday in a lake in California. 
Zinzi Mandela, the 59-year-old daughter of Nelson and Winnie Mandela, uh, died yesterday as well. Kelly Preston, 57-year-old wife of John Travolta, died as a result of breast cancer. Samantha Hickey is a 45-year-old pediatric nurse practitioner in Boise, Idaho. She died yesterday of COVID, leaving behind a husband and four children and a lot of questions. Uh, She was 45 and had no underlying conditions that would have uh, led anyone to suspect she would have been at risk for uh, for dying of COVID-19. And Nicole Thea, 24-year-old um, internationally known YouTuber, eight months pregnant, cause of death unknown, um, 24, 33, 45, 57, 59. These are not ordinarily uh, the ages that we are reading in terms of obituaries for women, for women. Death is in the headlines. Uh, there are a lot of other things in the headlines as well. We're going to turn our attention redemptively. We're going to turn our attention redemptively to the headlines of the day. Nick Pitts is in the on-deck circle. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Nick Pitts is here. You can follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Welcome back, sir. Carmen, so great to be with you this morning. Happy Tuesday. You're happy Tuesday. You're a leadoff. Uh, you're in the leadoff position this morning. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm, I've never been very fast, but I, hopefully we can be a little bit consistent and I can get on base. All right, man. That's that's good. So um, so let's let's start with this. My my lead in this morning was this litany of women, many of them young. Um, who, you know, all what they are going to share is that, um, you know, yesterday will be their uh, the date of their death. I mean, at the end of the dash on all of their headstones, wherever those may be, um, is going to be 7-13-2020. And so let's let's just pick up the one story of I may be mispronouncing her name. So forgive me in advance. Nicole Thea, 24 years old. and uh, and apparently a wildly successful YouTuber uh, about whom I had never heard until she died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there uh, one just absolutely tragic. Uh, she was a young woman that was kind of a fashion uh, kind of YouTuber. And what what you have is just you have this new online world that has been created that has just allowed an avenue and a platform by which individuals just as young as twenty four years old can really take off and shine. So she had these, she had these makeup and this beauty and fashion um, channel. And she just grew this platform to such an extent that she had upwards of around 100,000 people that were following her that were just pretty big fans of her. But tragically, they were following her life. And uh, even to the extent that she had a young child, she was eight months pregnant. And now uh, she is no longer, as you kind of uh, mentioned, uh, she died yesterday. And there's just all sorts of theories. And, you know, you can scour the Internet and scour Twitter trying to come up with reasons. But it just it's left us at a loss and just a a very painful but very real reminder uh, of just the brevity of life and how it passes like the morning mist. And uh, a reminder just to make the most of these days because the days are evil. One, it says in Ephesians 5, but also to count the number of days because we know the author of our days. 
I was uh, I was fascinated um, to learn a little bit just scrolling through, uh, you know, the feed for uh, mm-hmm. Nicole Thea. Um, it's interesting to me that, you know, when she became pregnant, she gave all of this very public credit um, to God um, yeah. and said, you know, God gave us the biggest blessing. Uh, I'm finally creating a beautiful little human inside of me. Uh, and and so um, lots of conversations could be had here, not married to the, uh, you know, to the father of, of her child, but clearly calling her calling herself mummy and calling, um, uh, you know, the father of her child daddy. Um, we can't wait to love, hold, and cherish you forever and ever. Um, it, it, there are opportunities in the midst of these tragic headlines. There are opportunities for us to lift up um, the reality of God, the presence of God, the persistent character of God, um, mm-hmm. and to have redemptive conversations. So I always appreciate your willingness to come on and help us do that. All right, so we're going to pivot now to a subject that I think for many listeners is going to be eye-rolling. Um, so let me just warn you about that in advance. <laughs> Mary Trump has a tell-all book, Too Much and Never Enough. It releases today. In fact, it has released. It released at midnight. It has already, actually, in advance of its release, it displaced John Bolton's tell-all, uh, The Room Where It Happened, which sat upon Amazon's comprehensive bestseller um, in all categories for a period of time. That is now Mary Trump's position um, why do these books matter? Why do why do books that are seeking to assert the truth, why do they matter? Yeah, Carmen, for many of your listeners, they're probably thinking same song, different verse, right? Uh, we've had John Bolton. We've had Anonymous. We've had Anthony Scaramucci. We've had all these individuals that have come before us and that have served in the White House and now in turn served in the White House or known President Trump. And now they're coming forward with the tell-all book. And I want our listeners, listeners should probably feel some sense of tension right now because you've alluded to the first piece, which is the, the truth matters. Um, uh, this first person account that Mary Trump is going to offer and telling her friends how uh, there was a, this man was uh, an individual just shares family members and many critics um, that have known President Trump for a while and trying to make her case or her uh, a compelling case, I'm sure. Uh, uh, of just that kind of the lack of character of President Trump. The truth matters, and so we never want to shy away from the truth just because um, it doesn't fit with our narrative that we have inside of our head. I'm reminded of the Flannery O'Connor line. She says, the truth doesn't change according to your ability to stomach it. Mm. <laughs> so the truth matters, one. But then also, uh, uh, there's a, a competing passion as well. Uh, being from the South, we uh, there's uh, there's this sense that you don't talk about your family in public. <laughs> you kind of keep you keep family matters close to close to your chest. Yeah. These people kinda... were clearly not raised in the South. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> None of these yeah. people were raised in the South. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I talked to I talked to my grandma yesterday, and I, I can just imagine that she would probably give me a flip behind the ear, and then she'd pull my hands and say, "Now, now Nicholas, now Nicholas." But so we, there's these competing passions of just because it's the truth, and just because it uh, just because it's something that needs to be said, should it be said. And so that's probably the tension. I never want to. I never want to shy away from truthful claims and truth matters, simply because it doesn't fit my perceived confirmation bias or the narrative that I have going in my head. But I also raise the question of, uh, especially as a Christian, uh, am I speaking the truth and doing so with grace? Is this something, according to Ephesians four twenty nine, that's edifying for the moment? Um, and I, I do. And I haven't read the book yet. Um, I've read. Uh, excerpts of it and read portions of it and some of the highlights from it. 
but I, I, I hope that we're going to get the truth one, but hopefully there's not going to be any uh, parts that are slanderous and untrue of President Trump's character or any other claims that they might make. So Nick Pitts and I just want you uh, want you guys to hear us that we live in a time and a day when lying has, for whatever reason, become very yeah. publicly acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. As Christians, we need to be people who not only are truthful and only speak the truth, um, but we need to be people who are able to discern truth from lies, um, that we're able to suss that out in our conversations, and that we're able to address it. Um, because we want to not only be people of truth, we want to be um, we want to really be cultivating a culture where truth is valued again. Uh, and that is not that is really not necessarily true today. All right. When we come back, we're going to um, we're going to pivot to a conversation and story about Sports Illustrated. This will be the sports segment of today's program. Um, sports <laughs> Illustrated has a swimsuit edition. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say in the lead into this, because uh, I don't I don't necessarily. All right. Well, let me just say that all of the women who appear to be women in this year's swimsuit edition are not. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continue my conversation with Nick Pitts. You can follow him on Twitter at J Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement, and I just love talking with him. Um, all right, Nick. Uh, Sports Illustrated has introduced a swimsuit model. Um, who certainly physically appears to be female. The swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated is soft porn. I'll just say that right out, straight mm-hmm. out. Um, and so what Sports Illustrated is now seeking to do by featuring a person who is not a biological female, um, but a biological male who identifies as a female, um, by featuring this tra- transgender person, um, they are actually leading those who look at the magazine to develop feelings toward, uh, physical responses toward um, a person who is of their same gender. I'm assuming here that most of the people who look at the swimsuit edition are men. You see my challenge, right? We can no longer trust our eyes, and they are provoking, um, they are provoking people to feel and respond to something that is a lie. I mean, a total lie. Yeah, so this is their first, um, uh, it's a, Brazilian model. I can't, I'm not quite familiar with how to pronounce her last name. Valentinia uh, made history on Friday, became the first transgender woman to be featured on the, the kind of the infamous Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And um, for those who have ears to hear, we we know one. We want to make a covenant with our eyes, like Job, and and I, it, it's just a you know there's there's so many avenues by which we could talk about this. One, there's just uh, the reality about the, how transgenderism is just um, becoming increasingly prevalent in our culture today. Even though only 1.4 million Americans would identify as transgender, 37% of Americans know someone that is transgender. But it is, like you said, uh, they're just perpetrating a lie. And, and what's tragic is that this, uh, for any other, for any model, I mean, to appear on a magazine cover, I believe, would be something that would be admirable. It would be something that would be probably a goal that they had had, but and that would create some type of joy. But the reality of the matter is what we know just from research from everywhere from Johns Hopkins to Harvard is that individuals that uh, have such transgender transition surgery, um, uh, approximately 20% will regret it. Uh, those who have had surgery, 19 more times likely 
to commit suicide. They're at a higher risk for anxiety disorders, depression, substance abuse. And so um, a picture is worth a thousand words. And this is just um, these are it's a very tragic story that's being put out uh, for this um, year's edition of the swimsuit issue for Sports Illustrated. The valuing of delusion over truth, Um, the the using your platform to advance delusion, the delusion that this individual is female. Um, I I feel like we've reached the point where it's no longer individuals who are confused about their own identity. The culture is now actively participating. I mean, obviously, there are members in uh, in the healthcare community who are participating. There are people in the legal community. There's certainly people in higher ed, lots of people participating in the delusion that these biological males are female or these biological females are male. Um. I'm not exactly sure, Nick, how a culture recovers from such widespread, deep delusion. Hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I'm. I'm. I'm saddened by this, but I'm also uh, there. There's a part of it that I mean. That, again, to kind of reference back to the first uh, uh, block that we had together. The Christian has known that we're going to live in kind of discombobulated times. And so Mm. we know that our mission doesn't change, though our times do. And so uh, what I would say to our listeners is that you're going to see, inevitably, you will see this Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. You'll you'll probably have conversations about Valentinia uh, uh, around your virtual water coolers in this pandemic time. And so even though our times are changing, our response to such things doesn't. This is a, a person whom God sent his son to die for. This is a person that is of inestimable character, inestimable worth, according to God, and who is worthy of our love. And for many individuals, this this isn't just a swimsuit issue. This is it's pretty groundbreaking. But there's a growing percentage of Americans who know someone that is transgender, like I mentioned, 37 percent. And it's it's important for us to be able to acknowledge the truth of this, which is they're living in, uh, they're living as something other than what God desired for them to live into and the fullness that He died to give them. Um, but also for us to be able to say, regardless of your uh, kind of disobedience of not living according to God's path, my love for you doesn't waver just because you're you're being disobedient in that moment. Mm, that's so helpful. Nick, thank you, as always, for bringing us back to the Word of God, the reality of God, the character of God, our mission as God's people uh, in the world today. That is Nick Pitts. You can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Nick, until next time. So great to talk to you, Carmen. So great. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Do you love to sing? What is your heart song singing this morning? We talked yesterday about how great is our God. Um, Those of us who are on the team at Faith Radio, um, the Faith Radio Network, we we had a virtual meeting yesterday um, during which the devotional was music. And it was, um, I will, just this incredible music where God's attributes are acknowledged and God is glorified and God's people 
although separated um, by great distance, right? We're all still social distancing. Um, we're not in a physical space together. Uh, and, and yet our hearts can be joined together in song and in praise and adoration to our God um, because technology is pretty awesome. <laughs> and so uh, if you love to sing with the radio and if you love to sing with other Christians around the world, you're going to really enjoy uh, my next guest and the conversation we're going to have. Keith Getty is up next. We're going to talk about the Sing Conference. We talked about the Sing Conference last summer and the summer before, I think. Um, but, you know, at that point in time, those conferences were geographically bound, like you had to travel to Nashville in order to participate. Well, that is obviously no longer true. The Sing Conference has gone global. And so we're going to talk about Sing Global, um, and we're going to talk about how you can engage in this really unique global worship event. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so survey says, that's really the question that I have this morning. What will the survey say? So we are conducting a Mornings with Carmen survey. It's a listener survey, which means if you're listening, it's for you. So a couple of ways to access the survey. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com. It's really obvious over there on the right-hand side of the page. You just click on Mornings with Carmen listener survey. Or you could just text the word survey, S-U-R-V-E-W. Text the word SURVEY to 877-933-2484. Same number we always use. Today, you would be texting the word SURVEY to 877-933-2484. Come on, let's find out. What does the survey say? You're the listeners. We want to know. Thanks in advance. We'll be right back. Not a day passes without an opportunity to help a neighbor, friend, or relative. When was the last time you volunteered as a family? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. You might have a few good excuses as to why it doesn't happen. When can you actually get the entire family together at one time? And it's obvious that your teen would roll his eyes at the mention of volunteering. When you serve and care for others, you're not only helping someone in need, you're also passing on a tradition to your teenager. Times volunteering as a family will instill character and build lasting memories. So why not make the effort, gather the kids, and find a way to serve someone else? Start the tradition. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find helpful resources at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. So we are uh, waiting to connect with Keith Getty. And so I just thought that I would bring you up to date on a couple of headlines that we are definitely not going to get to this morning. Um, one is from the United Nations. And this is um, this is a trend, a global trend in what I would describe as the wrong direction. So world hunger is trending in the wrong direction, according to this new United Nations report. So there are almost 690 million people, that's 9% of the world's population, um, who went hungry last year. That is up 10 million year over year. It's an increase of 60 million since 2014. Now, for those of you who grow gardens and for those of you who then um, grow, I mean, like genuinely wide-scale production 
uh, food, those of you who are real producers of food out there, farmers and ranchers, we want to start by saying thank you. Um, if we ate today, it is with gratitude toward a farmer. We recognize that. And so why is it with all the food that is produced and all the food that could be produced on this good green? <laughs> all right. So f- fun with technology this morning. Keith Getty, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you with us. The privilege is all mine. Okay. So we, um, we, you and I have talked before about the Sing Conference um, we've talked about uh, the the really fun things you've been doing with your own family during COVID and sharing uh, with the rest of us, uh, even from your home. Um, you have great anticipation about the Sing Conference this year. It's called Sing Global. So without stealing your thunder, tell us about it. Well, Sing Global happened because of, of course, COVID. Sing 2020 was all about singing the scriptures. And when COVID happened, we actually realized that we had a wonderful opportunity to move the conference online, to bring the whole world involved, and to create a new kind of conference called an immersive conference. So Sing Global is for four days, the same time as Sing as Sing as Sing 2020 was. It's for it's for four days, but it actually lasts for three months. So if you buy in for four days, you've got over a hundred concerts, worship services, uh, sermons, talks, discussions, um, behind the artist sessions um, for three months to enjoy. Um, whenever you want or each evening, whatever you want to do. So um, we're very excited about it. It's, it's the first ever worship conference that's got all six continents um, involved in it. And so it really is an exciting opportunity, a real moment in time. Okay, and we're going to just encourage people to go to GettyMusicWorshipConference.com. Actually, if you just Google Sing Global, um, this is what pops up. But the website is GettyMusicWorshipConference.com. Um, talk with us uh, a little bit about the power of song. We we remind ourselves frequently uh, when when you and I talk, uh, we remind ourselves of the power of song. But I think that today, Keith, people need some encouragement. They need to be reminded of who God is, and they need to be um, free to sing, even in the midst of all of the bad news headlines of the day. That's right, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? And uh, God has made us to love song. 20% of the Bible is actually songs. And one of the saddest things was the very first radio interview I did after COVID. Somebody said, you're the hymn guy that does does the sing conference. Does that mean you're out of business for the next few years? (laughs) And I said, and it was kind of funny, but the problem was that most people actually think singing is something you do on Sunday and is irrelevant to the rest of the week. And I think, I think really, when you think that Jesus um, read or sung six psalms every morning, that tells us something, doesn't it, about being a deep believer? That tells us something about the modeling, because that reminds us that it's part of every day of our lives. We ourselves, we with our families, should be filling our homes with songs of the Lord. And in one sense, the, the opportunity created by the coronavirus is, 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 is like a unique window to allow us to Re- redevelop and uh, uh, and recorrect this problem so that we can fill our homes every day. Because as you say, um, in, in seasons like this, we need to go deep into our soul. We need to go deep into what we know about the God of the universe and the God of the Bible. And there's no better way to do it than singing. That's how God's made us. One of the things that's so true of prayer and then and then singing as as at least I experience it, which is sung prayer most of the time, um, is that I can do it anywhere. I can do it anytime. 
um, because the audience of one is always available. Uh, that's, exa- that's exactly right. That, that's exactly right. And uh, Augustine is attributed to have said that when he sings, he prays twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, yes, that, that, that's a hundred percent, you know, we, we find that the songs that we sing most are the ones that speak to us most in life as well. So it's actually because songs speak to our mind, they speak to our imaginations, they speak to our memory banks, they speak to our hearts. They ultimately become, as you say, our prayers and thus by extension, they become our actions and they become our reactions. So, so for example, one, one challenge we, we have to, to church today, to pastors, is, is you cannot say you're building deep believers by preaching sermons and not singing deep songs. You, you need to do both. And I think COVID, uh, again, again, the response we've had to the hymns is just another example of of the need that we have for for deep songs at this moment songs like he will hold me fast or christ or hope and life and death we're finding at this point have a much greater resonance um, than, than even before I'm talking with Keith Getty uh, you can find him at Getty Music we are talking today specifically about the Sing Global Conference and we want you to check it out at Getty Music Worship Conference um, you can still register for Sing Global. You can do so online. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, levels at which you can choose to participate. The actual event is August 30 to September 2nd, 2020. But Sing Global is going to be available uh, to you for, remind me how long, because it's a long period of time that I can... Three months. I can con- three months. We call it an That's immersive awesome. conference. In other words, you can enjoy the conference for the four days. But frankly, if you actually are away with your family and you don't want to do it those four days, you can ignore the whole thing because it's available for three months and you can just go to the site or go to the app on your phone and download it anytime you want for three months. Or there'll also be ways that you can follow courses if you want as well. So so it's just a continual opportunity. And I said it's not just sermons. There's it might be worship services, it might be it might be musical concerts, it might be um, any number of, of different, you know, discussion discussion uh, groups and formats, and then there's and then there's online because of the global aspect. There's online discussion groups. So if you're a pastor, if you're a mother, if you're a worship leader, if you're a, uh, if you're a choir member, if you're a if you're a band player, you know, you, you will have your own. There'll be your own global sort of discussion groups where you can go on and say, "What do you do? You do this." And so it really is a wonderful interactive forum, and it's, it's really trying to connect the world. It really, it's just, it's so wonderful. It's a great um, connective event. Um, For those of you who are listening and you love, let's say, Sally Lloyd-Jones, she's going to be there. How about those of you who love John Piper or Trip Lee, Alistair Begg, Johnny Erickson Tata, Shane and Shane. They've got over 100 speakers, artists and musicians, um, John Lennox, lots of folks who are going to be participating, more than 50 breakout sessions available um, and, you know, this is not just uh, uh, an advertorial. We really are inviting people to sing, and we're inviting you to sing your faith, and we're inviting you to cultivate the ability to do that um, with a community of believers around the world through Sing Global. Keith Getty yeah, and I are going me... to take a—yeah, we're going to take a very brief break, and we'll be right back. Is that okay? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. All right. Yeah, we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Keith Getty from Getty Music. We've been talking about the Sing Global Conference. Um, Keith, you were about to say something uh, just prior to the break. Oh, oh, um, 
Well, you, I think you were talking about singing, and I, I just suddenly thought I better explain them. Um, the, the conference we're going to the Grand Ole Opry in two weeks' time, and recording uh, half the music there, and then that'll be uploaded for the first of August uh, to the web- website. And everybody from around the world, um, uh, and uh, especially your, your, does your area include uh, Minnesota? Well, yeah, because we broadcast out of uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, yes, it definitely includes Minnesota. But we, well, you know, well, it's glo- it's global because people listen online and they listen via the app. So talk to everybody. Great, great. I just wanted to say to the Minnesota folks, well, they they won that they won the after show vote from our band two consecutive <gasps> years for being the best singing state in America. So we need <gasps> your voices if you're there. Anyway, but um, but uh, but we. Uh, uh, what we do is the stuff goes up and then you add your voices. So you're part of, by the time the conference happens, you will see us on stage at the Grand Ole Opry singing, but what you will hear mixed into the thing is thousands of voices from around the world. So it's not just like a thin solo voice that you hear in church. You, there will be those thousands of voices all singing at the one time these songs. Uh, and then secondly, there, there's, there's going to be live music at the, at the event as well. But then thirdly, we're inviting people to bring people around, providing it is safe, for the for the for the residents in your house or church, and providing it's legal, we're encouraging you to have little host parties. Whether that's host parties of five to ten people, if that is safe, sitting outside watching a TV, or whether you're near, you can have thirty people or fifty people. We're encouraging you to arrange host parties as well, so that you can enjoy these amazing speakers and these songs too. All right. If you're in Minnesota, um, first of all, that's pretty amazing that you are the best singing state in the nation. I, I didn't know that. I live in Tennessee. I would have guessed we might be the best, but I think that uh, we well, are shamed because— Can you believe they beat—because I live in Tennessee. They beat Tennessee. I know. Can you believe well, we I do a... because I think we're—you know, those of us who don't sing professionally, we a little skittish because so many people— do sing professionally here. Um, so I'm so excited. Minnesota, the best singing state. I feel like there should be some sort of like, you know, embroidered shirt or something. We have about, we have about 50 different categories we have at the end of every tour. You know, one of them is, you know, for the for the, for the the funnest crowd. One of them is for the nicest dessert. We've got, we've got them for everything. Oh. You know. Who gets the night? Who, who could you have any thoughts on dessert? That sounds kind of fun. Um, doesn't I doesn't have what, to be who won. What's a dessert that stands out in your mind? Who even knew there was dessert? All I knew was all I knew was New Orleans cleaned up one entire year. They won every single food award. That's all I remember. Really, really. Mm-hmm. New Orleans. Yeah, a, Shout out a, today a, to New Orleans. There's a key lime. There was a key lime pie as well. Won one year. I think that must have been in Florida. I'm guessing that was Florida. So we just recently had um, Mike Naraki on from Veggie Tales, and you know they wrote a song, you know, to sing about the census to encourage people to get counted, which is kind of fun. Um, but, you know, they'll sing about anything, you know, as as a tomato and a cucumber. Um, and so when you say there was a key lime pie, I feel like that could be the name song. of the next VeggieTales song. song. There was a you, key lime pie. You know, if you could copyright just, titles, you should copyright. But that would just have copyright <laughs> no, titles. No, no, I just so, ideate. Like, I just give away all making, kinds of free yeah. ideas every day for two hours. That's you're all like we do. A machine. You're like a, you're like a, you're like a royalty generating machine. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but, but but the inter- you are making an interesting point, and that is this, because obviously we've talked about this conference having lots of, you know, amazing speakers um, and, and uh, all the kind of opportunities. But one of the things I think that made this conference so important and made me absolutely compelled to do it is that at this moment in history, uh, we actually need art. We need singing more than ever before. And I think it was even part of your very first question today, you know, which is why we're having beautiful musical events and and having these and having these uh you know these concert things because you know lots of pa- lots of 
Christians around the world right now are being quite vocal on 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 a, the, the media and on, on social media and this kind of stuff. And it's, not, not, none of it is wrong. But we as Christians should be getting having beautiful music as well, whether that is beautiful worship, whether it is beautiful hymn singing, whether it is a stunning performance by Kristen or Andrew Peterson, Kristen's doing her new album, even song, Andrew Peterson's doing her album, or whether it's a classical violinist doing a recital or a soprano doing a performance of the great music of Bach. These things are so important for our souls at this time. I mean, the struggles that it is, I have some friends at the weekend, and just the struggles with each of the mothers in those homes. it's not just a bunch of sermons as to as to how to pull up your socks but it's actually but it's actually um we, what we hope will be a deeply inspiring and uh and maybe even healing experience for many all right keith um i want to ask you one more question um because my family has delighted delighted in family hymn sing which you and your family are doing on facebook if you guys don't uh, follow keith and Kristen getty you should follow them on facebook Uh, you should like their page on facebook it's at getty music and uh so the july 7th family hymn sing which you could watch live or you can obviously then go to the facebook page and watch it anytime so um it's just delightful. Your little your little people are growing up uh, in front of our eyes, and um, I just want to know from a father's perspective, <laughs> what's it like to sit there? Like you're having this very you're you're talking with us, you're talking directly into the camera, and there's no small measure of chaos going on around you. Yeah, yeah. No, well, um, you know, I like to I like to pride myself as you're a royalty generating machine. I like to pride. Myself in the fact that I have good ideas and but this was not one of them this was my wife's <laughs> idea it was St Patrick's it was St Patrick's week and uh, we did it because I was I was in a bad mood because I had to stay inside in St Patrick's day and not see any of my friends which is for an Irish guy is horrible and so my wife said but let's redeem the day let's instead of singing a hymn let's let's do a whole let's do all the Irish hymns with the girls and that became let's record it and send it to the grandparents then it became let's just FaceTime live it and ask people to join in I've had so many messages today of people being sad and scared so we decided to do that and people loved it and then the next thing it it, it ran all day all day friday on fox news television and kind of spurts so by the second week we were doing it there was there was over 150,000 people watching and so we kind of got stuck and had to do this thing every tuesday so so I say that something to say it really was nothing to do with me. It was, it was my wife's initiative and a whole bunch of coincidences that all happened. But, but, but you know what? It is fun. I mean, I, I'm from a classical music background. So every week I finish and say to Kristen, do you realize Charlotte was not singing the second verse of the second hymn? And Kristen goes, yeah, I, I, I don't really care, Keith. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a bunch of kids who've done it right as much as I really wish my girls would. You know, and 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 stop. You know, um, you know, emptying their nose while I'm trying to talk and stuff like this. But <laughs> but but it is. But you know, it is it is our girls doing what they do, and that is. You know, we we started years ago singing a hymn every night, and I'd like to tell you that every night we sit and discuss it and discuss the theological meaning of a verse, and then apply it, and then pray about it. But <laughs> some nights, frankly, we just stick our girls in the toilet, stick some toothbrush toothpaste in their mouths, and throw them into their beds, sing a hymn, and turn the lights out, and go. You know, so. So it's a, but it's just a habitual thing we brought into life because it does close the day. It reminds us that the last thoughts of the day are of the Lord, and uh, it's so important. Which is why Kristen's new Evensong album is so important. That's coming out. It's it's helping us end our day with the Lord, 
and protect those 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 um those thoughts during while we sleep. Um, but yeah, so so no, it's a it is it is a joy. It is wonderful to watch your girls do this. Um, but it is stressful because they can literally say anything. And uh, <laughs> so I've had, I've had to just get used. I spent my whole life putting together, you know, slick productions, high musical quality productions. And this is this is neither of those things. But but it has been helpful to people. You know, every every single episode still has more people watching it than our combined fall and Christmas tour any year of our career so far. So so it's a it's, it's been a very interesting experience. And as I said, if it is if it has helped and encouraged people. Whether it's young families, whether it's older people, whether it's people who are just bored uh, or, or like our music, then you know that, that's just a real honor. And uh, I'm so thrilled you would mention it. It's so refreshing. It's so joyful. Um, and if people go uh, on Facebook and follow at Getty Music, um, the latest post related to um, the family hymnsing also includes the link. Forgetting Music Worship Conference.com. So, really easy place there to yeah. just one stop well, we shop. And you have to watch the video because it's absolutely the most hilarious, joyful thing that you'll see all week. Oh, we got to go. You. Keith, I'm, um, I'm running up against a hard, uh, a hard out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No. All right. So, thank you. Will you come back? Because it's just fun. Anytime you want. But I, oh, I, you're I, so I, kind. I, I, Thank when you. you need some royalties, we'll generate some. We'll generate some ideas. You're, you're amazing. I think every every artist in the country is going to want me to join us. <laughs> we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.